0: state your team your show this is sports nightly
1: two tight ends and a wide receiver to the near side throwing out in a flat to Maurice washington blockers out in front he gets to the 30
0: 35 40 he's got a seam 50 40 35 30 20 15 10 5 touchdown nebraska that's a way to answer that
2: colorado play right there
1: now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Warr. Oh, the Friday's before kickoff. Gotta love these shows. Get you ready for another Husker football Saturday tomorrow night, shortly after 7 o'clock. Nebraska and Northern Illinois. But before game day begins, we got a full three hours of sports nightly coming your way tonight jamming a lot in tonight's show uh so busy 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 three hours ahead greg sharp who is heading over to the uh, hall of fame banquet here very shortly will stop by for a brief segment here on sports Nightly here in the first hour we'll also six o'clock hour we're redeeming the hour of greg's <laughs> greg smith Hale varsity will stop by it is a very busy week in recruiting especially the last few days nebraska has locked in a number of official visitors for this game with northern illinois and greg smith will give us the update on who's coming and the the stories on some of these guys where nebraska is what's their board look like uh just three games into the season so looking forward to that here coming up in the six o'clock hour as well Coming up in hour two of the program, it is our Friday night show, which means Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network and NFL.com, stops by. We'll get his thoughts on – can you call last night a football game? Did you watch any of it? I I missed
0: out on it, but I've – got to be
1: honest with you. I've not heard great things from anybody. You missed nothing. Huh? You missed absolutely nothing. And, uh, yeah, just a a really sloppy, ugly game. And Ian Rappaport will – Give us the update on that, fallout from that, and what's to come here this week in the National Football League. We've got our Choices Treatment Center, Big Ten Picks coming up. We'll recap how we did last week. Don't think I did very good. Didn't take mm-hmm. too long into the season for me to regret some of my picks a whole one week in. Uh, so we'll find out the results of of last week in the Big Ten Picks. An hour three of the show, weekend preview. Nate Rohr will run down what's on tap for the TV schedule here this weekend, we'll play a snippet of our Darian Daniels interview, our Cornhusker conversation for tomorrow on Husker game day. We'll have our weekend review and also winners and losers before we hang out for the night as well. Callers and guests in the show, feel free to call us up tonight on our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline at 866-HUSKER-1-866-487-5371. Bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Nate, let's just start with tomorrow's game. I know you've been busy cranking away at, uh, at Northern Illinois both uh, today and throughout the week. Let's just start with your interpretations of the test that Nebraska is going to see tomorrow. I think the biggest
0: thing that worries me is Northern Illinois' run defense and, and specifically all the tricks they try to pull as far as the stunting and the slanting and trying for the big play defensively, trying to stop the run and not just stop it, but but put you behind the chains and and get you to lose yardage on a run play. So they're swinging big, but that also leads to big opportunities for this team in the run game. They haven't gotten much of a pass rush going this year. So, you know, one of the big things that's bothered me about what I've seen from Nebraska to this point is that they've not been able to involve many wide receivers. Maybe this is the game where Adrian Martinez has a chance to read down to a Kunavai Noah or to a Mike Williams. And uh, I'm going to guess that there are some plays – on the card, especially early, that emphasize those guys trying to get them going. So I think this is a game where Nebraska has more opportunities in the past game than the end game. And then offensively, the run offense doesn't do a whole lot for me. The quarterback, Bowers, was pretty good. Um, but I, I don't know that this is an offense that can really go up and down the field on you. So especially as well as Nebraska's defense has played to this point, I feel pretty confident about Nebraska's ability to keep the score down. Um, you know, it, we say it all the time. This is a game that's more about Nebraska than it is about Northern Illinois uh, the big thing for me is, can Nebraska look a little more fluent offensively? Can they get something going offensively? And Northern Illinois' defense sounds like one that, that can be pretty disruptive, so we shall see. But that's, that's my big test. Can we get a little more consistency offensively? I know this is a feast or famine offense, but uh, I, I could use a decent meal mixed in there, and hopefully tomorrow's that day.
1: Are you expecting – I mean, the Colorado game, the lingering effects, I suppose, is where I'm going with this. And it's, it's going to be impossible to tell. When they kick the, the ball off tomorrow, none of that's going to matter. But talking more throughout the week, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like Coach Frost has said they've had a great week of practice and, and they've put it behind you. But I've also heard, you know, how the disappointment of that Colorado game, They, they f- talking freely about it and how, how much that loss hurt, where do you feel like the team is at with what happened last week? I I got to imagine they're
0: still a little frustrated and a little disappointed. And by the way, that, that may not be a negative thing in this scenario yeah. because the hope is the team comes away from that going, OK, we've got something to prove again, offensively and especially in the third quarter where Nebraska's had more than their share of trouble offensively so far this year. So hopefully there's a different focus, there's a different level of intensity, and more of a level of intensity even than if Nebraska had won. Because if Nebraska had beaten Colorado, all of a sudden everybody's minds start getting way down the road when they need to be on the six inches in front of their face. Uh, So the one upshot, the one benefit hopefully is that that refocused Nebraska and had them locked has them locked in for this game understanding they got to take care of themselves and where they are and make sure they're in a good place as this as, as this game starts out and there are enough guys on this roster who were were here when Nebraska lost two years ago so maybe that wasn't a concern but You have to feel good about where this team's mindset will be coming into that game. I'm just worried a little bit that uh, Northern Illinois does some things that can mess you up offensively. And I'm sure the offense has heard the talk all week. And and there may be some doubt in that room and certainly some question. And and if they don't get off to a good start, that, that doubt and that question festers a little more.
1: Night game tomorrow. First one for the staff. It's got to yeah. be a little exciting. Get the blood flowing a little bit more perhaps. Night game that we actually get to play.
0: Yeah. <laughs> As right? opposed to the Akron game. Yeah. It, that That's another fortunate thing about this is that you might worry about the Memorial State Stadium atmosphere if this were an 11 a.m. kick. Everybody had just gone out to Colorado and been satisfied and 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 feeling good and already looking forward to Ohio State. Nobody's looking forward now. They, you know, you understand. You got to take care of what's in front of you. And with a night game anyway, uh, I think the fan base will be pretty well prepared for this one.
1: The one thing that we've learned over the last few years is to not take any win for granted. Jeff. you know, I feel like even ten years ago, the margin of victory and the style points mattered as much as. As the win or the loss, that is not the case anymore. At this point, just win the game and move on to the next one. You know, it's just, oh sure, you haven't taken that for granted.
0: Well, I mean, hey, we we've quoted this number. Nebraska is eleven and twenty-one in its last thirty-two games. I mean, that's that's ten games under five hundred in basically three years, and that you you aren't in the business of taking for granted any any victory i mean you think about it you lose a game to troy last year you lose the northern illinois game two years ago you know those are games that you as a fan pencil in in august and think okay we've got that one we'll worry about the conference games this you know this program has lost as a favorite it's lost at home it's lost non-conference games at this point
1: especially for this program just win baby yeah Yeah, I've lost that right for sure. So that's what's on tap here tonight. Sports Nightly continuing along on a Friday night. Thanks to the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp, for stopping by. Switching gears to another Greg now. Greg Smith of Hale Varsity joins us now. Greg, a big reek in recruiting. A lot of movement here in the last few days in regarding Husker recruiting, keeping yourself very busy.
3: Yeah, yeah, there definitely has been a lot of movement. Um, it, it turned into a pretty big weekend, and you know, honestly, we should have probably seen that coming, uh, considering that they didn't really have the opportunity to have a lot of official visitors, or any official visitors, uh, for the first game against South Alabama, but night game uh, against Northern Illinois, first one of the season, um, it's turned into quite the weekend, and weekend for visitors.
1: Well, what's the total at right now? I know the, the coaches have been getting phone calls, emails, texts of, of people that are making their way to see him here this weekend?
3: Yeah, I've got Nebraska at six official visitors right now, uh, four guys that are committed that are coming in on unofficial visits, um, and then a handful, a good handful, more than a handful of – Priority 2021 guys as well coming into town, um, that, that's quite a bit. And that's even before you get to the local guys that are in town, um, including a couple uh, the Ty Hod and Isaac Gifford um, right here in the area that uh, our guys that are on the cusp of picking up offers from Nebraska.
1: Well, it's, it's quite the list. So I mean, we're we're over ten of of potential student athletes uh, that are making their way to Lincoln. Let's start with the with the six officials. Uh, to you, who are you most excited about to to find out how their trip goes here in Lincoln? That that's going to make their way for their official.
3: Yeah, I guess I have to kind of start with who I think is maybe the most intriguing visitor of all this weekend, and that's four-star defensive back Miles. Sch- um, out of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. He's a defensive back prospect that is committed to Oregon right now. Uh, he's the only guy out, coming on campus that submitted elsewhere. Um, but he submitted out there, I think, back in April. So he took his official visit to Oregon in April because of that new rule where you can take those early official visits. So with him coming to campus um, and Lincoln for the fall, we'll see if he's able to then get back out to Oregon at some point um, to either reaffirm um, his pledge or to see if he needed to, you know, make. A move somewhere else, uh, but he's really intriguing. If you got a Nebraska battling with an old assistant and Dante Williams, uh, Ryan Hell doing a lot of work here in Eva Creek Oklahoma uh, for Nebraska. Another guy that I'm really looking forward to talking to is Caleb McCullough, uh, linebacker out of California, who had 211 tackles as a junior, wow. uh, which shows you all you need to know about his production. Um, he can play either inside or outside linebacker, but Nebraska is actually what well, they like him as an inside linebacker uh, at this time. Uh, so, and then there, there's another defensive back, Gray, uh, coming up from Miami, uh, who's also a four star kid, uh, which would be a pretty good prospect. There's a pair of defensive linemen that are coming in from California as well, and a pass rusher coming in from Arizona. So, it's a really defensive list. Um, but the, I think that Husker fans are A OK with that going forward.
1: You mentioned uh, the cornerback the that, that Nebraska's fighting with, with Dante Williams. Seems like Nebraska's locked horns a few times with with Oregon getting down to, com, to commits, and Oregon has put together a really good class right now. Uh, wh- wh- what's the situation there with, with these two competing for each other? I mean, it's probably no different than any other school, but it seems like these guys have been going, to, going at it for a few kids in the last year or so.
3: Yeah, they definitely have, and I think that part of that is um... – Oregon's change in the recruit profile that they're looking at. When Mario Cristobal took over that program, he pretty much openly said that he wanted to inject more toughness into the program. Um, and they're always going to recruit the guys on the West Coast that are maybe um, not not necessarily being recruited by USC, or in some cases they are. But like those top five-star guys, Oregon has gotten a couple of those guys recently. But on the whole, they don't. Um, so them and Nebraska are competing for some of the same guys. Um, and then they want to brand- Oregon wants to branch out more into the Midwest. You saw them really lock-horned with Nebraska over Nash Hutmacher, who mm-hmm. took an official visit out there as well. Um, so they have a more similar recruit profile than they had um, in the
1: past. Yeah, definitely interesting to see that that kind of change. Greg Smith, Hale Varsity with us here on Sports Nightly. Uh, well, let's talk about the the guys that Nebraska uh, – are. are high on their boards. We've seen a lot of skill positions uh, that, that, that have committed to Nebraska. Where else is Nebraska really prioritizing in terms of positions right now, you know, week three into the season?
3: Yeah, I, I think right now linebacker is a huge focus. And I, I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, every week, uh, for the rest of the season, you don't see a linebacker or two as an official visitor um, until they end up getting you know, a couple of more commits at that position. Like It's a huge focus um, for them to get linebackers. They've got, they've got a couple in this week. Uh, that next game against Ohio State, they'll definitely have a couple in, including Caden Johnson, um, a four-star from up in Minnesota, who may be one of the top targets overall, remaining on the board uh, for Nebraska. Jackson Bratton, Logan Smothers, four-star team, maybe committed to Alabama, will also be in that week so linebackers will be a plenty uh, moving forward. That, that, has, that position has really come into focus. And you see why um, when you see Nebraska on Saturday. It's not that the linebackers that have played for Nebraska have not performed well. Actually, They've exceeded expectations, but you just don't maybe have enough of them at this point in time.
1: Yeah, we had a caller call in uh, a week or so ago, Greg, asking about linebackers, specifically the inside guys, and expressed a lot of concern. How do you feel about maybe, you know, considering who Nebraska signed in this this last freshman class and and now our campus, but, you know, their prospects right now, how do you feel about the depth in particular with the inside guys and, and the track that Nebraska has on some of these potential recruits?
3: Yeah, you know, it, it's tough because I like the guys that they have on campus and the guys that they brought in in this last class, uh, especially Jackson Hammond and Nick Henrich, um, especially. I think Garrett Snodgrass plays inside as well, and I like him, too, out of York. Um, but the problem is, is A, those guys are freshmen. B, Henrich, who I think is the best prospect out of those guys, was hurt and has missed a lot of times since he's been here. So it's just been tough for him to get off the ground and get into the rotation, even though you've had a guy like Luke Grimer as a walk-on be kind of a surprise, um, but he's a playing on special teams and playing well. So, you know, with the four or five guys that I just named, like all being young guys, that depth, I think, will eventually be good. You just have to let it mature a little bit. Um, I think they'll be okay down the road at that spot. Plus, they've got a heck of a position coach at Barrow.
1: No question about it. Well, uh, this isn't going to be a full class, full 25. How if you had to put a number on it right now, where Nebraska is right now with their with their level of commits, what 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 are you expecting and obviously it's really early to tell in December. Where do you think Nebraska is going to end up at, you know, if you had a ballpark, how many commits are going to are going to be signing here in December and February?
3: Yeah, I would I would look for right now probably about 22. Um, and if 22 is the number that you're kind of ballparking and expecting then there is still a chance that they get to 25 because there's always surprise and attrition yes. um, and there are things that you just don't foresee happening um, you know we're actually I know I'm not jinxing anything but we're actually coming up on next week with that fourth game um, so you still last year remember we saw kind of an exodus around the country uh, when it came to that so you never know what ends up happening there as well um, so I think 22 is probably a fake number for me. Right now, uh, but it would not, you know, shock me at all to see them end up pushing that number up, depending on what happens.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great point. Uh, it has definitely changed the landscape of college football with this new redshirt rule. Talking with Greg Smith of Hale Varsity here on Sports Nightly. Well, you mentioned uh, a couple of 2021 guys going to be in the house as well. When you look at, you know, Nebraska uh, in the 2021 class. What, what stands out to you about, about these guys and, and wanting to put in some work early and get them on campus?
3: Yeah, but that's kind of what does stand out to me is something that I've noticed that this staff does a really really good job of, and they did it last year with the 2020 or yeah, with the 2020 guys. They were getting them on campus early and multiple times. So a lot of guys that are coming here this weekend for 2021, quarterback Peter Castelli out of California, um, Teddy Prachaska out of, out of Elkhorn, style, uh Griffin Waddell out of Iowa, uh, who's a defensive lineman. Like all of those guys. This will be, you know, at least their second or third time on campus. So a lot of those guys making multiple trips, return trips to Lincoln, can only help bolster Nebraska's chances as they're moving forward with these guys. Um, Nebraska's been really smart about getting those guys on campus early and often.
1: Yeah, and it's very important, obviously, you building that relationship. And as as you know, as well as anybody, the relationships end up winning out in these things in December and in February. Greg Smith of Hale Varsity with us here on Sports Nightly. Greg, we really appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on and, and giving us the update on Husker recruiting. Obviously going to be very busy for you tracking all these things on, uh, on Saturday and Sunday and even into Monday. Thanks a lot for spending a few minutes with us. Enjoy the game tomorrow, man.
3: Hey, thanks as always, man. You guys have a good weekend. Enjoy the game.
1: Hour two of Friday night just kicking off. A good first hour. Thanks to Greg Sharp, voice of the Oscars, for stopping by before he head over to the Hall of Fame banquet that's happening tonight. And also thanks to Greg Smith. Hill Varsity, recruiting analyst. Nebraska with six official visitors, four commits on campus on unofficial visits, a couple of 20, 21 players and some local players all in town. Well over 10 student athletes going to be on the sidelines Tomorrow for Nebraska, Northern Illinois, so things really ramping up uh, for the Huskers in recruiting here this week. So appreciate Greg for giving us the rundown on that. Coming up here in just a second, Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com stops by. We'll give us, we'll give you our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks here this hour as well as well as find out how things went uh, last week on our on our picks. I think mine could have gone better, but. <laughs> boys will have the results for us here coming up this hour as well coming up in the third hour of the program our weekend preview with Nate Rohr play a snippet of our Cornhusker conversation tomorrow with Nebraska senior captain defensive tackle Darian Daniels we'll have our weekend review of sports nightly tonight and our winners and losers tonight before we sign off as well you want to be a part of the program 866-HUSKER-1 the number 866-487-5371 the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference, purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. We go there now and bring on our next guest, Ian Rappaport, from the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, boy, a really sloppy game last night. Came to a screeching halt with the referees, the reviews, and, and I guess, suppose let's just start with the quarterback play and, and, and what you saw there in assessing both of those guys last night.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I would say that that sort of needs to be where the focus lies. Now, look, I mean, the the uh, the Bucks defense, I thought looked really, really good. And I don't know what I was expecting of a Todd Bowles defense, but um, it was it was everything and more. Uh, I thought they were great. Uh, They look, it's not like they have a ton of talent. They look renewed and rejuvenated. So, you know, that was certainly noteworthy. But um, you know, one Jameis Winston coming out in the second half and looking. Like, a really good, competent quarterback was an important thing, uh, and he looked – I mean, led the team back, looked excellent, efficient, no turnovers, he was good. Um, but then then <laughs> the other thing was Cam Newton didn't look like himself, and maybe he's rusty, and maybe from shoulder surgery, and maybe because he hurt his foot early on in the game. I mean, there's, there, I, there's definitely reasons. I get it. Um, but that's not going to stop all of us from talking about Cam Newton because – when one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL looks like that, it really makes you wonder. And, and I don't know what the future holds, um, but it's going to be watched very closely going forward.
1: Yeah, let's, let's start with with Cam. He's had a very interesting career in Carolina, and they obviously hit on a, on a player with Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, you move forward there, he just really hasn't looked like himself, you know, that... The, at least the first few weeks, there was a lot made about him not throwing the ball down the field in the first week. In here, And the second week, uh, just really had a hard time getting anything going. Said he had to look himself in the mirror in the post game. What? What is? Know,
4: and look, you mentioned that, that you mentioned throwing down the field. This game, he tried. It yeah. was almost like he was trying to answer his critics, but it didn't go well. You know. And look, maybe he's going to be a quarterback who. Um, you know, doesn't really, really force it down the field. Maybe he's going to be a quarterback who dinks and dunks and throws on timing. That's fine. But the most important thing is to embrace what he is because it can't be like he was last night where he's kind of trying to be something that he's not and ends up looking like just a just a really big mess, uh, which is obviously not what anybody wants.
1: Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that. Let's talk about the end of the game and how clunky it was with the officiating. Um, particularly, I guess it started with the pass interference. Let's start first with your opinion on the rule as it is. And we're starting to see, you know, some of the fallout from that and potential negative effects from that. With the, you know, obviously it was illegal contact, but it wasn't pass interference. So we can throw the flag on this, but we can't throw it on that. What's your interpretation of how this thing's going to affect football?
4: Well, I think in some ways it was it was good. It, it you know it basically takes away the egregious horrendous mistakes and allows coaches a say late in games when it's really really important. I think that's all good. The the problem I had was you know like last night for instance you know it was uh, it was a call to basically create a pass interference penalty that I thought was there. It looked like contact to me, and in the end they ended up with no penalty, which Um, I don't know. I mean, to me, it looked like egregious. It looked like that's exactly what the the rule change was for, and then nothing changed. So I don't know kind of what the deal is. I don't know where it's going to get better, but I do know I still have a lot of questions on it, you know, we can change through.
1: Yeah, no question about it. Well, let's just get this out of the way. I feel like there, there's one of these players every year that that you and I end up talking about. Last year was Le'Veon Bell. This year is probably going to be Antonio Brown. What's the latest on this? It's a civil case, which you know, there's unprecedented parts that come from this with a civil case, but what 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 are we expecting with this new allegation against Antonio Brown and how it could affect him moving forward?
4: Well, let's start with what's happening right in front of us. Uh, he you know, at this point, uh, is not going to be on the commissioner's exempt list before Sunday, so he is cleared to play as far as the NFL is concerned. Might they put him on the commissioner's exempt list next week? Possible, but it is not going to be for this week. There's just there's just no grounds to. It. You know, that's just reality. There's just no grounds to. It. It's a civil case. You know, the league does not right now know for a fact that he committed something that would violate the personal conduct policy. So he's eligible to play. He is moving toward playing and. You know, unless something happens football-wise, um, he's, he's going to play. You know, unless the Patriots decide, like, game plan-wise he's not ready, which I don't think is going to happen, um, you know, he's he's going to play. And, and they're preparing him to play. Practice Wednesday, practice Thursday, practice Friday. Um, this is a guy who's, who's gearing up. And, you know, next week when they interview uh, his accuser, maybe she says things that, you know, the – the NFL decides the squad takes him off the field. Until we know that, um, it looks like he's kind of full speed ahead with the Patriots, which is obviously scary for everybody else.
1: Yeah, no question about it. Uh, that's, that's about last that last case scenario that, that every other team in the uh, AFC wanted, particularly the AFC East. Let's stick in that division. How bad are things in Miami right now uh, after the dismantling they had in week one and then uh, the, the, with the requesting of the trades and – Let's just start with the status of that franchise.
4: Well, um, it's not good. You know, I mean, they're, they're basically trying what the Browns did, which is they're trying a full rebuild, by like clearing the decks of salary, uh, building through draft picks, making sure <coughs> that, you know, they have a lot of artillery for the future, knowing that in the present it's, it might get pretty ugly. You know, and I think that the coaches and personnel and everyone went into this with eyes wide open. I think for the players, it was very difficult. Um, So you have guys like Minka Fitzpatrick who, you know, request a trade, would like a trade, and allowed, you know, the team is allowed to kind of go out and seek that. But is it actually going to happen, or is he going to basically play where he wants, and then, you know, if that happens, then the trade request may be rescinded. I don't know. Um, but either way, it's obviously hard for the players to go through. And I do just wonder, was everyone really, really ready for all of this, for everything that was going to happen that it takes to rebuild? Everyone ready for the losing and the pushback and and, and all that? Because I don't it, – it's, it's hard to go through. It really is hard to go through.
1: Let's go to the team that did that to them in Baltimore, and Lamar Jackson just – had a field day. Can he keep? Obviously, he's not going to have those numbers every week. But he can he play at that elite level? Every, is he that good of a quarterback, or was that a, a, a byproduct of Miami and and where the, where they were at as well?
4: I, I don't see why he can't just do that. I mean, now Miami didn't get a great pass rush. They certainly didn't tackle well. But some of those, <clears throat> excuse me, some of those, some of those passes were were on time, on the money looked beautiful. I mean, some of the consistency from last year was just not there. He looked like, you know, it's starting to make sense for me. Why the Ravens were so, so optimistic in training camp, because they knew what they had. And I think for everyone else, they sort of rolled their eyes a little bit, but um, this was a coming out party for Omar Jackson. And he can still joke about, Oh, everyone thought I was a running back. What a lot of people did running back receiver. They want him to run at the combine. I mean, this is a guy who looked like a real legitimate NFL quarterback, um, you know, the other day, and it's really an incredible thing.
1: You mentioned the Browns a little bit earlier, and, and now, now I kind of feel embarrassed to, to go back to the question I asked you a week ago at this time about, about their offense. Um, how much better are they th- than what we saw, and, and how much of an eye-opener was that for not just the people of Cleveland but, but everybody in that locker room?
4: Well, you know, I, I think the, the Browns probably battled more than anyone else the offseason of everyone just telling them how amazing they are. I mean, that's really, that was really the thing. Everyone just, you know, basically put the Browns in the Super Bowl. And it's just, that's not reality. You sort of have to get there, you have to earn it, you know. And uh, it's hard to have everyone spend the whole offseason talking about how amazing you are and to, to gear up for that. Well, they got the wake up call the other day. I still think the, real, the Browns are really talented. Uh, I still think the offense is going to be as good as it needs to be. Um, it's just, you know, can they get there? And, and, you know, now it's like, can they do it on Monday night against the Jets team that is going to be without Sam Darnold? And that and that really stings, you know? So um, I think the Browns are going to be okay, but I don't think it was the worst thing in the world. They got humbled like they did.
1: Yeah. Talking with Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Ian, you typically like to ask you this before the season starts, but we had a lot to catch up on last week. Who did you like in week one that maybe people aren't talking about, that, that you kind of have your eye on that might surprise some people this year?
4: I mean, I was the Arizona Cardinals, to me, jumped out. I mean, they looked bad for three quarters, which, you know, I was sort of expecting. And then they looked great. And I don't know what they're going to be for the rest of the year, but if they're going to be the team that looks like a juggernaut, then that is really interesting. Because then, I mean, then they have a quarterback that's really hard to stop and um, one that, you know, you can, it's hard to prepare for. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think that was, you know, they were definitely someone that was kind of really good and, and a little bit surprising. Um, I thought the Bills also were another team that kind of jumped out at me because, you know, they – I mean, they had a good off season. It was It's kind of efficient and active, but not crazy. And, you know, then, I mean, they had a great comeback against the Jets, really just, just putting it away and taking it to a Jets defense that was without C.J. Mosley. Um, I, I thought the Bills really impressed as well. And I don't know what they're going to be, but at least I think we think they're going to be better than last year.
1: Ian, before we let you out of here, uh, let's, let's catch up on some injuries. I know Darius Geis uh, put on injured reserve today. Anybody else that we need to watch out for, for those fantasy lovers listening to the show right now?
4: <laughs> um, I think, you know, Geis is, Geis is a big one. He's out for about eight weeks, so it's going to be, you know, Adrian Peterson now um, kind of going forward as the starting running back. I would think Todd Gurley probably uh, made a lot of people happy by – having a really solid performance in real life and in fantasy, um, that was something that was that was probably really good for a lot of people to see. Um, you know, as far as fantasy stuff, um, you see what else. So Sean McCoy was really impressive last week. I would expect his role uh, to increase. And the guy he was cut for, Devin Singleton, probably won't increase a ton this week, but, you know, we think will be the starter eventually. Still some, some things in flux from sort of a – a fantasy perspective. Um, oh, um, Mike Williams, the charging receiver, he is questionable with a knee injury practice today. But at the very least, he's got a shot to play on Sunday.
1: Very good. Ian Rappaport the NFL Network. Ian, we really appreciate it, man. Thanks for giving us a few minutes. As always, enjoy the games on Sunday.
4: All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Always enjoy it.
1: Time now for our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten Picks. Helping people make positive choices. I've been told that Austin Orman is going to join us. Uh, with this segment so Austin if that is you back there why don't you start with last week's results
5: it is me back there hello hi hi Hi. hope we're having a good show I'm enjoying it hope you guys are enjoying it all right last week you guys are probably gonna enjoy this we had Ben and Nate both of you went 10 for 11
1: can you guess which game you didn't get right I know which game I didn't get right Mm. I got the Purdue game wrong yeah I I think
5: I think I blew the Boilermaker game too Incorrect. You both picked Purdue to win. Oh, Neither of cool. you picked Maryland to win. Oh, You both okay. picked Syracuse. All right.
0: Yeah, I can live with that, man. So,
5: Nate and I went 10 of 11, right? Yes. 10 of 11 for you both and Greg. Greg also went 10 of 11. Josh and Brett were both 9 of 11. I went 8 for 11, picking Vanderbilt over Purdue and Fresno over Minnesota. Close. Very close. Mick was a perfect 11 for 11, though. Wow. Good for that guy. Hmm. He's not here to brag, so <laughs> really too bad for him. You, you two and Greg, though, are still tied in the overall uh,
1: picks. All three of you are 22 out of 24. Wow. I'll take it. It's not bad, but it'll get messy here starting next week or the week after. Once we get into conference play, it never, it never lasts. So <laughs> I'll enjoy that good percentage while, while it's there. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen, let's go ahead and dive into this week's games. Let's start first with the 11 a.m. kicks. Let's start first in Bloomington, Indiana, the sixth-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes 2-0 against the 2-0 Indiana Hoosiers. Indiana has given Ohio State some problems in the past. Anybody going to go out on a limb and, and choose the Hoosiers in this conference matchup? I'm not. I
0: Look, Ohio State's played really well. I've been impressed with them to this point. Maybe Indiana hangs in there for a little while but Buckeyes win. You're good on Ohio State,
5: Austin? Yeah, give me give me the Buckeyes over the Hoosiers in 11.
1: All right, who are you in charge of tonight getting the giving their picks? Do you have Gregs? I have
5: Gregs, Josh's and Brett's. So, all three of them also went with Ohio State. We make it 6 for 6.
1: Well, I don't really want to be different on this one. So, I'll choose Ohio State. We're all going out of limb. Buckeyes are about uh Just over a three score favorite, about 17 and a half point favorite uh, over Indiana. Next 11 a.m. kick, Pittsburgh at Penn State. Good old fashioned (laughs) rivalry. This one kicks on ABC. Penn State 2 0, Pitt at 1 1, Penn State 17 point favorite. Austin, who do you and the boys have? We are all taking at Penn State in this one as well. Not very
5: impressed with where Pittsburgh's at despite giving Clemson a run the last couple years. We all picked Penn State. Nate? Yeah, going with the Nittany
0: Lions. Clifford's plugged in pretty nicely at quarterback. The offense is there. I don't think Pitt provides much resistance tomorrow.
1: I would agree. I don't think uh, Penn State's played well so far this year. They've been one of the teams that's maybe surprised me most, but not as much as this team. 21st-ranked Maryland on the road at Temple at Lincoln Financial Field in Philly taking on the Owls. I'll go first in this one. I'm taking Temple. I'm calling for the Ooh. upset here. I Maryland on paper is about a touchdown favorite. I don't think I don't think their history tells me they're going to kick one, and I think this could be the one that they drop tomorrow. And it, and it's crazy saying that how much they've dominated their first two opponents. I thought Syracuse would dethrone them last week. That certainly didn't happen. But uh, I I don't know how much longer Maryland can sustain this, and I wonder what happens when they face some adversity in a game and you know hopefully uh temple can slow that offense down at least a little bit so i'm probably the only one going out on a limb but i am picking temple temple head coached by
0: the man who coached northern illinois the last time they was were here say, Rod not
1: manny diaz anymore <laughs> yeah, manny diaz for 15
0: minutes yeah got a cheesesteak and and walked Boy, I was tempted by Temple. I really was. And I agree with your general point that at some point Maryland comes back to earth. I just don't see it this week. Give me the Terps. But if we were doing confidence, I don't know that this wouldn't be the one where I'd put one or two.
5: Yeah. Everyone else goes with Maryland, Greg, Josh, Brett, and myself. I line up with you, Nate, though. I, uh, I really wanted to pick Temple in this one, just
1: couldn't quite pull the trigger after pulling it on Syracuse last week. Okay, so I'm I I'm the lone wolf. I'm probably gonna be eating some owl. Instead of crow. Yes. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't sound very appealing. Just, no both sound terrible to be honest (laughs) i would just prefer it if they won so i didn't have to do that (laughs) there you go another 11 a.m kick the final 11 a.m kick on btn eastern michigan against the 2-0 illinois fighting illini illinois is a seven point favorite at home against eastern michigan who is nebraska's next opponent austin let's start with you and the boys in the back
5: we're all taking illinois versus directional michigan at number three
0: I am likewise. You know, Illinois is about in the same boat as Maryland where they've 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 exceeded what you thought you'd get from them in preseason, but Eastern Michigan's
1: not good enough to win this game. They are not. I am choosing Illinois, make it a clean sweep. On to the 230 games. UNLV at Northwestern. The Cats are 0-1, a rare bye week <laughs> uh, after one game. They are 0-1, lost to Stanford. And, of course, uh, Hunter Johnson will be the guy going forward for Northwestern at Evanston. They are an 18-point favorite. I'll go first on this one. I take Northwestern. I see about a 12- to 15-point margin to victory here. I would agree with
0: that. the The margin feels a little broad, but I think, in the end, Northwestern's just a better team. So I think the Cats win. And win fairly comfortably, but not as by as much as the smart folks in Vegas do.
5: That's the same rationale that everyone else back here has. The Wildcats will not be domesticated. The running Rebels will be the walking Rebels. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy.
1: They're getting punny back there. They are. <laughs> uh, 2.30 kick. TCF Bank Stadium, Minnesota 2-0, barely in both of their games. They're taking on Georgia Southern who is one and one. Let's get weird with Georgia Southern's offense against Minnesota. Uh, Nate, what do you got? I I think it's close. Uh, You know, Minnesota's living on the edge,
0: has been all year long. But here again, I just think Minnesota's got too much. Gophers win probably seven to 10. Wow. You, You are just refused to give an inch on Minnesota. Yeah, I, I I don't I still don't love PJ Fleck, and I I still don't love that program. I talked myself into backing off them this summer, and they've nearly let me down twice. And so help me God, if they blow <laughs> this game against Georgia Southern, oh boy, that, that there ain't gonna be no boat rowing going on.
1: <laughs> You'll be out of wars. Yes, yes. All right, Orman, you're up. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Haha.
5: Ha. Well, they are called the Golden Gophers. We all expect them to stay golden, not silver. They come
1: in first with a win over Georgia Southern. That's what the rest of us are picking back here as well. Give me Minnesota as well. I am not as down on Minnesota, although those first two results have frightened me quite a bit. Three o'clock kick in East Lansing. Arizona State 2-0, Michigan State 2-0. Would love for this game to be in November Ooh, yeah. with the Sun Devils coming up to East Lansing or in the same weather that we had against Michigan State last year. That would have been fun. See Herm Edwards on the sideline dealing with that. And big stocking hat probably with the little pom-pom on top. Yeah, Arizona State's coming to play to win the game. <laughs> what do you say, Austin? I say Michigan State
5: takes vengeance for their loss in Tempe last year. Josh, Brett, and Greg agree. Michigan State for the four of us.
1: Taking Sparty.
0: I'm Team Sparty as well. Uh, Arizona State doesn't have enough, enough gas in the tank to get past Michigan State, who has been as advertised defensively.
1: Over two scores favorite in that one, 14.5 points Ooh, for Michigan that nu- State. That
0: number's a little hot for me.
1: Yeah, it seems high, doesn't it? Yep. Okay, here we go. Game day, Ames, Iowa, Jack Trice Stadium. Iowa a slight favorite, 19th-ranked Hawkeyes taking on Iowa State. Um, I guess I'll start with this one I'm, t- I'm taking the Cyclones I, I, I'm not letting what I saw in their first game affect me uh, I'm sticking with what I said all off season. I think if you push the panic button after, after a one game and, and you know just let a team die by that you're in trouble so I'm going to say Iowa State wins by a field goal and Ames Iowa is having some fun tomorrow night
0: yeah, I, I'm in that same neighborhood. I, I feel like Iowa State just has the edge in this one. I am uncompelled by what I've seen from Iowa the first two weeks. Um, and I'm not really terribly worried about what I saw from Iowa State against Northern Iowa. So give me the clones. It'll be a great game. I'll have one eye on the finish of this as
5: we're getting ready for our game. Give me ISU and a snug one. Craig says Iowa State. Josh says Iowa State Brett says Iowa State I take Iowa though I just feel like Iowa's was going to find a way to pull it out I am with you guys neither team has been terribly impressive I just think Iowa has enough on the defensive side of the ball to win a close game Brock Purdy probably throws a pick late to end it
1: okay mm. bold strategy Austin so I'm the only one that picks Temple Austin's the only one that picks Iowa huh is that an indictment on how we feel about the black and gold here in this office maybe a little bit maybe a little bit but
0: i mean look iowa state brought back so much from last year's team you would think but yeah
1: don't let me down cyclones yeah any chance i get to pick against iowa usually take advantage of it all right let's finish up with tcu and purdue 630 kick on btn this is a close spread in the eyes of vegas tcu a slight favorite uh, Purdue could be in some trouble with some indole- injuries with Elijah Sindelar in concussion protocol and Marcus Bailey out for the year. So when you look at this uh, game here, keep the injuries in mind. I'm going to choose TCU. Uh, I think they're the better defensive team. I think they, you know, Jalen Rager is not Rondale Moore, but he's not far off. I think TCU goes into Ross Aiden wins.
0: I agree, and I'm even more confident about it than you are. I think especially assuming Sindelar is out. I mean, the guy's in the concussion protocol. I would find it very unlikely that he plays against TCU on Saturday. I think Purdue falls. I think TCU wins and wins big.
5: Austin? The only one that agrees – well, actually, excuse me, the only one that disagrees is Brett. Brett's taking Purdue. Greg, Josh, and myself are all
1: taking the Horned Frogs. Man, I'm surprised – how well we all align on the 50-50 games this week. Usually, it's it's more split than that, but uh, definitely not the case. All right, so uh, there you go. We'll find out. We're gonna have a couple of uh, points decided here and there based on uh, based on some some results that happen on Saturday, and we'll go through the results next Friday in our Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks. Final hour of Sports Nightly. Wrapping it up here on the Husker Sports Network with Sports Nightly putting a bow on the week. All right, gentlemen, let's tell the people who's a winner and who's not a winner. Who is a loser? Any volunteers to go first?
0: I'll go first. Sure. Donate. Nate,
1: Nate, go ahead.
0: All right. My loser of the week, Andy Fails Memorial (laughs) Loser of the Week is Cam Newton. Just what the hell are you wearing,
1: Cam? (laughs) My God. What are you wearing? How about what are you playing?
0: Yeah. Like, Man, that was awful. But between the playing and the looking, ain't a whole lot going right for Scam Newton. He <laughs> he might want to work on all of it. Yikes. Uh, mm. So he is my Andy Fails Memorial Loser of the Week. Yeah,
1: he played like a loser last but,
0: night. <laughs> sure did. Sure did. Uh, my winner of the week actually is in the land of Andy Fails, and that would be the good folks at Iowa State. Uh, they get college game day on their campus you know you think of a fan base that's been through everything and it's them and and a fan base that's loyal that's lived through a lot of losing and they still show up so kudos to them (laughs) enjoy your moment in the sun go beat iowa they're my winners this week
2: Love it. josh why don't you go next okay very good all right i'm gonna start with uh my loser and it's the cleveland browns they banned yeah. a fan well i mean the the game last week was bad but they, they banned a fan for throwing uh beer on the uh, drink on the opposing player and they banned the wrong guy The i the guy that Whoops. apparently got banned was sent an email and he's like yeah i wasn't even at the game i haven't been to a browns game in 11 years but okay uh and so See you never <laughs> yeah so they they could they can't even get that right banning banning the right r- the right person oh so, my gosh way to go browns my winner, I'm going to go with, with Husker Volleyball, obviously playing very well this weekend, still undefeated. But my the w- reason why they're the, the winner is what they did with the alternate court this yeah. weekend, putting the black on there, the black shorts and all of that. So That's a winner for you and a loser for Nate. Yeah, see, Nate's, Nate's giving his thumb down, but it's I, I liked it. And it, it's cool because it's, it's not like they're changing the court for the entire season, but they're Take doing off. it for a weekend. And yeah, it's fun. I thought it looked sharp. Nate any reaction to the players loving it
1: They are wrong <laughs> It is the
0: children who are wrong <laughs> <laughs> Oh
1: my gosh Well uh, Nate in black uh, Uniforms just don't Get along ever. Never. Are you a fan of like the Falcons blacks mm. like, like a team That actually has black in their colors
0: yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. I, I, if it's in your colors, okay, fine, whatever. Just, just not at Nebraska. Don't jam it down my throat just <laughs> just because Adidas needs to sell $75 jerseys to middle school
2: That's kids. not the only reason, though, Nate. Yes, it is.
1: <laughs> no. Yes, it is. All right, is. guys, I've cut you both <laughs> off. We don't have time for this. My winner is is a is a losing program, and that's Tennessee. Um, they, there's a fourth-grade boy in Florida who – Uh, had an orange shirt on, was trying to show support to Tennessee. Uh, He had a a piece of paper attached to his shirt with a UT on it, and he was bullied for it, and it was just a horrible situation. But this found its way to the University of Tennessee, sent the kid a whole bunch of swag, Tennessee stuff that – you know, he picked the right school because nobody else wants it. So I'm ah. sure there's a lot of, you know, stuff that he got. But in all seriousness, very cool that, you know, he and all of his classmates can now enjoy some, some UT gear, something that that program finally got right.
0: Yeah, good for, good for the kid. I mean, God, if he's going to be that loyal. They, they ought to let him take Smokey out for a walk.
1: Well, they, and they, they they said he gets a scholarship. Uh, so whenever he's in school, if he meets the requirements, he, his school will be paid for. So hope the bullies are feeling great about themselves. My losers, the referees last night, you guys were terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. You made a terrible football game even more terrible. You should feel terrible about yourself. Tell us how you really feel. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, they right. should feel better. feel great about our show, Nate. Thanks for sitting in. I enjoyed it. Thanks for Josh Hilkeman. Thanks to everybody being a part of this one. Nebraska, Northern Illinois, tomorrow night, Memorial Stadium. Shortly after 7 o'clock, we hit the air at 2 p.m. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.